Good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning into the RW. This is your host, Brandon Macy, and I am excited about having a longtime friend with me, Donnie Dial. Um, had your brother on the podcast. We got to talk about stuff. We he didn't talk about you, thankfully, in a yeah, bad way. It would have been all lies anyway. <laughs> but um, very glad to have you on the podcast, man. I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I mentioned it to you. A long time ago and I'm excited about some of the things that you're going to share some of your time in the in the military and and all that kind of stuff but I, I was thinking today how long that we've known each other and I'm 40 you're a little bit older than me we won't call it out but uh I was eight when you guys came to Royalwood yeah which um, would have been like 88 or something like that 1988 something like that 88 or 89 I think I was 11 maybe yeah. 12 yeah so now everybody has done the math and knows how old you are now yes <laughs> but it shows I mean come on <laughs> but I remember like you know meeting you and PJ and we weren't we were not friends at first let me say that uh not that we were enemies but you know meeting you and PJ PJ was kind of the more outgoing right now the PJ back then had super thick glasses. Like, I remember when I first met PJ, I was like, those things are thick. I mean, they yeah. were Coke bottle. He thick. had a little chip on his shoulder, you know, apparently about that. So. He did, He did actually. Yeah. And and you know what? You did, too, a little bit at that time. Yeah. You were a little bit more quiet. You're still a little bit more quiet. But the crazy thing was, I remember uh, my parents went out of town. Right. And they, I guess had talked to your parents or something and we were going to the same school at that time which was a christian school right and so they were like all right well you know we'll we'll keep brandon for the week and so i remember first of all kind of being like i don't know these guys at all and pj on on the podcast we talked about it and he was like man we weren't happy about it we were like man we got this little kid fixing to come in but we ended up having a blast right and and kind of getting to know each other then you know? Yeah, I think we made plans to try to scare you a lot. <laughs> I imagine. And my mom was in on it. So yeah. It was good. Yeah, your mom always did that. I remember you guys had a scooter back then. Yeah. And we rode it around the yard, went and rode it in the neighborhood down to the, there was some water nearby, like a bio or something. I don't remember. Yeah, that was over in uh, Sheldon Woods. Yeah. Sheldon Woods. Yeah, yeah. so it would have been, uh, it wasn't Sheldon Reservoir, it was something else, right? There's some kind of water nearby. Yeah, I think there's a big uh, canal that runs back okay. around that neighborhood. Okay, yeah. So anyway, just just good good times, man. And, uh, you know, getting to know y'all. And then as time went on, uh, there, was a, there was a brief time there that me and you actually became really good friends and, and got to hunt, hang out a lot. It happens a lot when people get tired of PJ. They come <laughs> hang out with me. So. <laughs> PJ, if you're listening out there, uh, you, he's not even here to defend himself. But, no, not at all. But but we had a we had a good time, man. We've we've done a lot of fishing together. We're actually going fishing with our kids and stuff uh, tonight, which is going to be interesting, uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of kids. And uh, so, I mean, we just had a lot of chance to do a lot of things together. But I wanted to talk about your time in the military because. First of all, I'm very interested in it, and and by the way, thank you for your service, and I, I mean that. It's my pleasure. Um, you know, I I know right now, in the society that we're in, the situation that we're in, 
it's like you know first responders man are getting are getting just a lot of bad rap uh, you know people that are in the military it's it's not looked at the way it used to be looked at you know there used to be a lot of honor and respect I still have that honor and respect regardless of you know the few bad people that you have I feel like you have that in every walk of life you've got it in congressmen you have it in senators you have it in presidents you've got it all all widespread but you know I appreciate what you guys have done and you know we wouldn't be free if it wouldn't for guys like yourself that made the sacrifices to to do that so absolutely absolutely. I appreciate that what was what made you want to go into the military because for me you know I I've always had honor for that and I'm not saying that you know if if I was drafted or something like that which I'm not going to be now but if I would have been drafted at a time in my life I would have served but it's not something that I sought out so like what what made you want to do that well I've always had like this fascination with uh, military equipment you know all the museums the old equipment and stuff like that so I've always kind of liked that part of it but after 9-11 it was just going to happen. I fought it off, you know, I had a job, girlfriend, stuff like that, keeping me from going. But eventually, you know, I ended up getting laid off from a job and I was like, now's the time. So yeah. I just went ahead and signed up and took off. Now, um, for everybody that doesn't know, what branch of the military were you in? I was in the Army. Okay. Yep. So when you go to meet with them for the first time, I mean, what was your kind of thought process going You're into You're talking that? about recruiting? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, I was a little bit older going in. How, how old were you when you went in? I was 27, I want to say 27. 27. So it's a lot of kids going in, right? Yeah, I mean, you guys 18, are 19 years you know, yeah. 10 years younger than me. Yeah. And I went in, I was, you know, I've already been a little jaded by life, had a little street smart going in, so I thought sure. I knew what I was doing. So Yeah. It's like they're selling you a used car. <laughs> they tell you all the good stuff and none of the yeah, bad, right? they have quotas that they got to meet. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you know what? I want you to write down your first four places that you'd like to be stationed. And I'm like, okay, Hawaii, Hawaii, Texas, and Texas. Yeah. Fort Hood, Texas. Yeah. You didn't get any of those places. No, I went straight to, uh, for, I went straight to Fort Campbell in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, Which is the middle of just nowhere. Yeah. Right? They tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You get a sign-on bonus, you know, all this good stuff. And they're like, all they want you to do is sign. Yeah. And then they're done with you. Yeah. Well, and the bad thing is is you know i think there was one time that you know the va and all that kind of stuff was like a good place to get things done and it's my understanding especially in the last few years that it's almost impossible to get things done through the va or it's really tough it's uh it's actually gotten a whole lot better when i first started going i was there every time i'd go for an appointment you're talking six seven hours in a hospital wow Nobody wants to be in a hospital for that long. No, and that's just going for like, you know, you got a cold and want to go to yeah, the doctor. Yeah. And so it's it's getting a lot better now. Uh I try not to use it unless it's for something important like I had surgery on my hand. Yeah. And, but it can be rough, you know. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Well, what like when you so when you first were recruited and stuff like that, um you know, you didn't know where you were going to go. What was some of the, like, early process that you went through? I mean, I know it was some grueling stuff, too. So what was some of the training and stuff that you guys had to do? Prior to basic training? Yeah. I actually was supposed to show up for a lot of uh, training with the recruiters and stuff like that. Yeah. And I didn't go. You didn't even go? No. 
you're like i got this i got it i mean i thought i was in really good shape you know we spent a lot of time in the gym but muscles aren't totally different shape. yeah 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 and so when i got to basic training i was in for a big surprise i bet so what kind of stuff did you guys do in basic training uh man from day one they just they start breaking you down it's push-ups sit-ups you know any kind of physical training they can get you to do they just make you start pouring sweat breaking all those oreos and you know cupcakes out of your body yeah so when we first started basic training we would stand at the end of our bunks and do a what they call the kill zone you know we just what they smoked us is what they call it just push-ups sit-ups jumping jacks all that stuff and there was a puddle of sweat underneath every single person but by the time basic training was over it was nothing not even sweating anymore not even sweating anymore yeah it just it breaks you down and then builds you up yeah well and i think you know part of the mentality of the military is to push you to your breaking point right oh yeah and i mean that's physically mentally emotionally you know probably spiritually i mean just in every way and uh i mean i've had other friends that have been in the military and stuff like that and and talked to them about things you know lance wilkins who we both know right talked about some of the things that he had to do um in the air force getting locked in a little bitty box and all this other kind of stuff that i'm just like okay that sounds absolutely terrible um but you know out out of those things that you went through what do you feel like you learned from that 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 like translates to your life now uh patience yeah and being able to listen to leadership yeah because when I first, you know, you first go in, you're hothead. You know, you got the world, you know, in your hand, the palm of your hand. And then they teach you that you don't and that yeah. there's always someone a step above you. You need to be, you know, be obedient to. Yeah. And, you know, and they teach you the hard way. I've had my, I was eating chow one day and I had drill sergeant push my head into my salad that I was eating with a spoon. No forks, no knife. Yeah. And so my nose was covered in dressing and you just can't do anything. Yeah. Except pray, yeah. pray a little bit. <laughs> That's all you can do. Well, and, and you know, I know you well enough to know that especially the pre-military Donnie, yeah. uh, that would have been very hard to swallow. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've seen you get mad a few times. Um, you know, I was afraid for the other person that you were mad at. But... Uh, I, I'm just saying I know that that had to be hard to just swallow that and say, I got to take this. It's very hard. Yeah, I bet. But on the flip side of that, I would feel like, you know, a person like you would learn, okay, but this is something that I can control when I need to control it. And that's what it teaches you. Yeah, yeah. You know, what they're doing to you is they're teaching you to immediately obey orders. Yeah. You can't you can't have the guy beside you hesitating when you need to go do a flanking maneuver yeah so you it drowns out all the fear and everything else uh, that you're feeling right and you just do this job and that's what they're doing they're breaking you down mentally and then they build you up into a soldier which is basically part of a machine that gets the job done i mean yeah that's what it is yeah well and some people can't they can't make it through that you know yeah we had quite a few people that yeah well i mean the thing about you is anybody that knows a dial knows hard head right yeah, absolutely a little bit a little bit stubborn so but the good thing about that is you're able to use that in situations and go i'm just going to put my head down and get through this yep. and you know didn't you have like some back issues and stuff during that time or was that later 
That was much later. Because I remember you telling me one time that, I mean, you were having to do carry heavy packs and do all this stuff and then have back problems at the same time. You're just trying to, like, just, you know, grit your teeth and go go through it. Yeah, it just comes down to not wanting to let the guy beside you down. Yeah. You just got to push through it. Yeah. It, it was miserable, you know, training, training, training. Yeah. So. Well, and to me, that's a lesson in itself, right, is learning to live – for other people absolutely uh, you know it, and I, I feel this way when I've gone in trips on trips like to third world countries and stuff you see these people that are honestly some of the happiest people I've ever seen right and I'm going you're making $40 a month but you're the happy you're so happy and then you come back here and you see people that are making $50 an hour and they can't be happy no matter yeah. what they do They've got good families, got everything they need, blah, blah, blah. And you realize that that happiness oftentimes is living for other people, putting your own things to the side, right. and, and not being selfish. But, man, we're so inundated with this selfish mentality of it's all about me. And, you know, the, the American dream sometimes <laughs> isn't yeah. all that great when you look at it that way. It's like I go to third world countries and come back and go, Wow, we're living wrong. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, uh, just recently, um, actually two summers ago, I was in Canada, and uh, I was in New Brunswick, which is the size of Texas. It's oh, wow. huge, with 140,000 people living there. So when I say it's wilderness, I mean, everywhere you go, it's just wilderness. Right. But some of the nicest people that I've ever met, some of the most humble people that I've ever met, and they don't have a whole lot, but they're so happy because they're not on top of each other. It's like when I, I went into town one day and you pull up to the stoplight and they're like, no, come on, you know, come on through and like letting you through. And I'm just sitting here going, this would never happen in no. Houston. You know, I'd be getting I'd be getting cussed at. I'd be getting yelled at. Absolutely. And and when I came back here, like from being in that slow pace and I came back here, I was like. What are we doing? You got it wrong. Oh man, this the this rat race that we get caught up in, where we feel this, you know, push to always have a bigger house and a better car and a newer this and the best iPhone and all this stuff. When you break it down, it's like none of this stuff is even important. Like family is important, you know. Yeah. A lot uh, of it's even detrimental to us. I think. Absolutely. I'm seeing it with you know, constantly being in contact with everybody, social media. Yeah. It can be a bad thing. Well, you, you end up getting through your day and realizing that your time was wasted by, you know, commenting on someone's Facebook post or something. And then you're just going, but I don't have any real connections with people. Right. And honestly, that's one thing that I enjoy about the podcast is I get to actually sit down and have a conversation with somebody instead of texting somebody or picking up the phone and calling somebody. Like, this means a lot more just being able to have a conversation than texting somebody and going, hey, man, how you been? You know, right. I mean, th we don't have the opportunity to sit down for an hour and just talk to each other anymore. You know, it's crazy. Yep. So so going back to the military, what when did you uh, so you went to you said you were in Tennessee, Kentucky? Yeah. Fort um, Campbell. Yep. So when did you end up going to Iraq? When did that actually take place? Um, I was in Kentucky for a year and then we deployed in uh 06 to 07 i think it was okay 
And so when you deployed, like, what was your objective there? What were they telling you you were going to accomplish, basically? Our objective was to guard a supply route. Okay. Period. We had, there was a main supply route running into Baghdad, mm-hmm. and we were just overwatch that and expand it, you know, yeah. going to keep pushing the bad guys back away from this, this major supply route. Yeah. And that was it. So what were some interesting – why don't you tell me – like one of the interesting things that happened when you were doing that because i i've seen video like uh i i think it was youtube right yeah yeah so i've seen video of when you guys got attacked or there was a fire fight something well we got hit by mortars yeah okay all right so i i saw the video of that which was crazy yeah and uh so why why don't you i don't want to spoil it all why don't you tell one of those stories or maybe tell that story well, I can I can start out with just our first mission that we yeah. went out on. Yeah. Was it was breaking us in because uh, we had to go and pull security for some civilians that were doing road work. And that was our first mission. Simple. Yeah. So Which we get out you re- there. Probably realized nothing was simple. There, no. Right. No. Yeah. And so I'm in the turret. I was a machine gunner, so 90 percent of the time when we went out mounted in vehicles, I was up in the turret either on the 50 cal or the 240, and so. I could see everything. Yeah. So we pull up. Which also kind of makes you the target too, right? right? Yeah. So, you know, the (laughs) turret comes up to here and I'm just like looking over it just a little bit. Yeah. But we pull up to meet these two civilians and they walked and we send out two of our guys to go inspect the area they're going to be working. And they walk next to a car and it blows up right off the bat. We weren't out of our our, uh, base for maybe 10 minutes at that point. Oh, my God. First mission out of the so, box. So kills these guys, I guess. Or did they miss it? It, I think it killed one of them, and another one was just blown to smithereens. Oh, and so I'm on the turret, and I'm looking around, trying to see if there's going to be fire coming from anywhere. Luckily, our two guys just got a few little small shrapnel wounds. Yeah. And so they grab the civilian, and they run up to my Humvee and throw him on the hood. And there's – it's yeah. bad. You can just imagine – this guy got hit by all the shrapnel. He was just bleeding out everywhere. And so I'm up on the turret on my gun. I'm just like, I didn't know what to do, you know. Oh God, it was just man. a rude awakening to what we were in store for. In store, uh, in store for. This was the, one of the worst cities at the time. Yeah. And, what, uh, what city was that? It was Ramadi. Okay. Yeah. So right outside of Baghdad, basically. Yeah, about, about 45 minutes outside of Baghdad. So your your first kind of... I mean, that was your that was your your first uh, kind of inside look to see what yeah. was going to happen. At that point, I started praying a little bit more. I know? guess so. I guess so. And that has to be, you know, I and, and and I don't care. You know, movies, nothing else prepares you for seeing something like that firsthand. It has no. to be. They can't do enough graphics and CGI. Yeah. To just show you what it's really like. Yeah. Well, and I, I know I know another time, uh, tell the story about the time that a grenade got thrown yeah, into you this guys. Is, this is one of those times when God was there, Yeah, and there was no doubt about it. We were doing a presence, what we call a presence patrol off the uh, supply route, and we just go out and shake hands with the civilians. You know, if we have intel on bad guys, we go clear the house and get them right. and stuff like that. And so we're walking down this alleyway. All the houses have like 10-foot walls all the way around the back. Yeah. And there's alleyways. And we're walking. And we're about, uh, you know, eight feet apart. And I'm walking, and I 
I look in front of me and I see a grenade come over this wall and land right by my buddy uh, Reyes, one of my good friends. And so we all yell, grenade, take off running and jump for cover. It never went off. <laughs> never went off. And and what's what's the percentage of grenades that don't go off? Uh, I it's, don't it's, it's, it's not crazy, happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's like one in several million, right, or something. I've never, I've never work. seen a dud grenade. Yeah, well, when you told me that story, because I remember you telling me that story, I looked it up because I was like, I gotta see, you know, yeah. and it was some crazy statistic well, that it just basically never happens. This wasn't a modern day frag yeah. grenade that around now. It looked like you know the old pineapple style, like yeah. in Vietnam kind yeah. of deal. So probably what helped us. Yeah. So we just exfilled and went back to our base and left it. Wow. But, I mean, obviously, through times like that, you can look and go, you know, God had his hand on me. Yeah. Because there, there's just no way. Yeah, and, you know, I was lucky. I was in a room with uh, our medic and a couple of my buddies who were real uh, Christian guys. And uh, we'd get prepared for – going out on a mission and the guys next door i got it you know head headbanger music on they're in there getting amped up to go out yeah we had prayer meetings yeah i'm not kidding before every meeting we had a prayer meeting i believe it and it was serious too because it's just like they said there's no atheist yeah. in the foxhole yeah no i bet i bet well and you know i said this when it comes to all the social unrest that we've had and i feel like this goes the same thing being a soldier is I, I said on one of the podcasts, I said, you know, there's a couple things I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be black. I don't know what it's like to be a police officer either. Right. I do not know what either one of those things are like. I don't know what it's like to be a soldier in that kind of situation to wake up every morning and go, I may never see my family again. Yeah. My life may never move forward from right here. You know, the people that I, I've grown to love, I may never see them again. And so that's got to be that's got to be like emotionally stressful man just to be under that all the time it really is you know not only just the missions but we were getting hit by on our, on our base by yeah. mortars every other day yeah matter of fact my room tell the story about that yeah we had just left our base to go on a mission and we were going down the road and we heard an explosion we turned looked back at our base and our room had been hit by uh, a mortar a big mortar and it blew through the cinder block walls and just tore up everything inside our room where we sleep. I still have shirts that have shrapnel holes in them where that went into my dresser, little dresser I had, and just mangled everything. So and if you guys minutes. would have been there, yeah. And, and see, it's things like that that I'm like, the difference between you being here right now and not being here was 10 minutes. That's my mom praying. That's yeah. What it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure, and PJ and your yeah. dad and your your family. There's no doubt. I'm pretty sure my mom never got off her knees for a whole year. So. <laughs> I I imagine. Yeah. How long were you were you there in Iraq? Uh, for a year. Okay. Yeah. Longest year of your life. Absolutely. Well, at times, you know, you know, the military is a lot of waiting and guard duty. Yeah. But when it's fast, it's real fast. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. In, any other stories that you have like that that are maybe just, you know, crazy? I'm, I'm sure you could just sit here for probably hours and tell stories. I mean, it's, but there's so many times, you know. I've been, we were pulling security. Once again, I was in the turret on the 50 cal, and uh, AK-47 rounds started pinging off of my turret. 
and it's just like you see in a movie the noise yeah the ricochet yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff and so i had to swivel my turret and start returning fire but i mean just we got out and looked at the turret after it was all over and the rounds were hitting that far below the, the top that's crazy you know two inches and that's it yeah yeah or you could have you know put your head up at the wrong time or anything yeah did you guys have a lot of issues with snipers and stuff uh at that time because i know there was a time in that war where you know there were some certain snipers that were taking out people and stuff like that i don't know if we had any of the famous ones but i had a buddy i went to a basic training with he was in a guard shack at one of our i think it was a traffic control point he was a different platoon than i was but uh he got taken out by a sniper. Man. Just sitting in there, pulling guard duty. Yeah, just like just regular old duty and not even expecting. Yep. See, that's the crazy thing to me, too. And the, and, and the other thing is, you know, like you talk about the friends and stuff that you lose when you're over there. And it's not like losing a friend that you went to high school with or something, right? Yeah. The bond that you have with those people because you're guarding each other Every, I mean, it's a brotherhood. It really is. Oh, yeah. That's, that's not just a other. saying, yeah. you know. And so when you lose those people, that's got to be tough too, man. Yeah, and some of these guys don't recover from it. Yeah. You know, I'm still connected to a lot of them, and they're a little jaded and cynical. Sure. And, you know, it really affects you. Yeah. We were lucky. My platoon, as much contact as we took, we were the only ones that didn't take any major casualties. My platoon. Yeah. That's Man, my mom praying again, that, that's you know? that's what I'm saying again. There's no denying that that was just God yep. having His hand on you. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when you look around and have, you know, destruction to every other platoon and and things going on around you, and you know, we have. I mean, we still have people connected to our church and stuff that are in the military and yep. and doing those things. And I know, obviously, that's calmed down quite a bit. I mean, yep. there's not as much stuff going on. There are in pockets, right? But at that time, because that was what year was that, Donnie? Uh, uh, that I was deployed. Yeah, five to six. Okay, yeah, two thousand five. Yeah. So it was it was still pretty hot during that time, yeah. and a lot of stuff going on, you know, right then. Um, so let me ask you this: so when you came back, and, and where were you stationed when you came back from Baghdad, or, I, or you know, I was right back in uh, Fort Campbell. I okay. was in Fort Campbell my entire four years that I was in. So. Okay. So in for four years back at Fort Campbell, how do you how do you adjust back to? I mean, you know, going from basically living in a desert, right? Yeah. You know, just being in sand all the time. Which how you still enjoy fishing from the beach and stuff after being in that much sand? Right. I'll, I'll never know. But you know, after after living in that environment, having that high stress environment all the time, yeah. How do you come back and adjust to just regular life where you're not worrying about dying every day uh i don't know you know you were you, we, we were jumpy at first of course you know your phone would vibrate in your pocket you know or plane would fly overhead or tire have a blowout beside you yeah on the road and stuff like that which is make you jump but over over a period of time i just kind of gradually got out of it. the pain in my back and knees stayed with me more yeah. than anything else yeah but some of these guys are not recovering yeah. you know you see it with the whole 22 a day yeah kind of thing and, and it's tough on them we just saturated we just i had a certain uh group of friends we just kind of imprinted on each other yeah and we just we were like glue man we just stayed together well i i've seen that you know you still get with those guys sometimes and yep. still talk to those guys and stuff like that and to me that's there's a lot of strength in that because yep. you kind of 
you know, still feel that accountability to each other. Yeah. And and it's a good thing because, like you said, I've seen the you know the twenty two push ups for twenty two days and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and man, my heart goes out to those guys because it's a real thing to go through something like that and not be able to come back and adjust. You yeah, know? it really is, man. It's, it's tough on them. Yeah, I was lucky. Uh, and in fact, you know, I have a my family, the church family, stuff like that, and I like to talk about it because. You know, if someone's thinking about joining the military, they need to go in eyes wide open. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, we need to recruit people. Well, they also need to know what's in store for them. Yeah, yeah. And that's the good stuff and the bad, you know. Right, right. Well, and and the thing is, too, you know, I think a lot of guys are like, well, I'm going to go to the military and then I'm going to get rich because I'm going to – I don't have any chance to spend any of this money. Yeah. So I'm going to have all this money, and when I get out, I'm going to do all this. and. It's it's just not that way. No, that money goes real fast. Yeah, yeah, it goes real fast. Plus, you're eight. Most of them are seventeen, eighteen. Well, eighteen and nineteen years old. Yeah. So so making thirty five thousand dollars a year sounds like a lot of money. And yeah, and you're not wise with your money. No, of course not. At least well, I wasn't. Yeah. Well, and I think, but I think most guys are in that yeah. you know position where they're not really ready for all of that. And and you know the the thing that I think is good is the lessons that you can learn you know the funniest thing was my uncle my dad's brother um who is now in prison been in prison almost my whole life um he joined the military because he was tired of people telling him what to do uh yeah that's (laughs) which which has to be to date the funniest reason that i've ever heard anybody joining the military it's like oh well guess what now you're going to have people telling you everything that you can do when you can use a restroom when you can't what you can eat how long you can eat uh you know shoving your face down in your salad all that fun stuff and and when you get to a base you know you're finally stationed at your whatever base you go to they come in your room and yeah say kind things to you yes destroy your room yeah stuff like that yeah you got to have your bed made up just right and all that kind of stuff 24 hours a day you want to go buy a car you take one of your ncos with you you know yeah i mean and he tells you whether or not you can buy this car that's crazy. Uh, it's it's twenty four hour supervision. So. Yeah, yeah, but again, I think at the same time, what it teaches you is first of all accountability, right? And then then teaches you, hey, maybe I don't have all the best ideas for my life, you know. Which sometimes you gotta learn that the hard way. Like I learned that just because I made mistakes, yeah. and it was like, you know what? Maybe I don't have this figured out. You know, you definitely come become more self aware. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what made you decide, like, once you – because you could still be in the military, right, if you wanted to. Right. What made you decide after four years to just go, okay, well, I'm going to close this chapter and, and move on? I got tired of people telling me what to do. <laughs> so you got married. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's exactly what happened. You know, really, it was all about fishing for me. I just wanted to get back home and go fishing. That's yeah. all I could think about when I was in there. I bet. I'm I'm meant to live near the coast. Yeah, that's all there is yeah. to it. Well, that that is in your blood, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I know your family, you know, going way back to the Cajun side that I can't understand when they talk. Yeah, you know, to you know your uncle Lloyd and and all these other oh, yeah. guys and and people in your family because I've had I've actually gone to family reunions with you guys. Yeah. if you'll remember, a couple of times I think, and uh, which was very interesting. Yep. Uh, extremely interesting. I've been to your grandpa and grandma's house yep. many, many times in Bridge City 
fish cow bio many times. You know, I had Shannon Chance. I don't know if you know him or not. Right. Uh, Garrett's brother. And, you know, he's from Bridge City. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, uh, yeah, he, he grew up in Bridge City. You know, he lived in Bridge City till he moved here like a year and a half ago. So he's oh, wow. very familiar. Um, and he was talking about fishing and stuff when he was on the podcast. And I was like, I've fished cow bio many times. And he looked at me like, what? You? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, man. I've caught a lot of uh, grinnell and bass and carp and catfish and just a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. You can start in the bio catching freshwater. And then work your way out to the lake, and you're in the salt water. Yeah, like Lake Sabine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, for you, it was just like I got to get home so I can fish. No, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I was tired. I was meant for four and done. You know, it was a service kind of deal for me, not yeah. a life. Yeah. Not a career. Yeah. That's what it was. I mean about. that that makes sense. You know, I mean, I you felt a calling to do it. You went and did it, and felt like you fulfilled. You know what you needed to fulfill, and yeah. time to move on with your life. And I mean, now you've got. You know, great family, beautiful girls, and yeah. you know, uh, raising bearded dragons, and yeah. and which I just recently got one. I was feeding this morning. I've got about twenty on the way. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh wow, that's gonna be exciting. Yeah. So anybody listening? He's a bearded dragon. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're fixing to have to call Petco and sell them some some bearded dragons. Absolutely. Um. So with what you're doing now in your life just with family and stuff like that what are some of the what are like some of the principles and stuff that you've taken to being a father being a dad maybe stuff you're passing on to your daughters that you've just learned through some of this stuff my biggest deal when i went in i was very impatient yeah as you can probably attest to and yeah. uh that taught me how to be super patient right i mean it's a 180 degree turn for me i'm just totally changed my life being in there being able to control your anger mm -hmm. anything you're feeling and uh just be patient and having a wife and kids you can pass that on to them so when life hits them hard just be patient yeah you know take your time think about it before you react and you know do the wrong thing yeah that's i think that's one of the biggest things you can teach your kids is patience don't ask god for patience because he'll teach you patience yeah but these kids need to know it, man. They're they're so reactionary nowadays. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, and it's the environment that we're raising them in, right? Everything is instantaneous. Inst yeah. You know, your your food is instant. This is instant. We got fast food. You got, you know, you you send people money and you can text me fifty dollars and I get it right. I mean, all this stuff, and and my boys will tell you this. You ask them tonight, you'll say, what what is the most important thing if you want to have anything good in life? And they'll say hard work and patience. Absolutely. That's the two things that from from them being little, I had them recite that back to me. And randomly, I'll ask them, hey, guys, if you want to have anything good in life, what, it, what you got to do? Hard work and patience. You know, they're, they're yeah. like sick of it. But it's true because, you know, one of the things that taught me patience in my life, honestly, was not only having kids. Having kids will teach you patience for yeah. sure. But hunting has taught me patience. Right. When I... When I went bear hunting with my bow, I killed a, a black bear with, with my bow a couple of summers ago. I was sitting for seven hours with no phone service. And when I say in the middle of nowhere, I'm talking, there is nothing around me for miles and miles and miles and miles. The last, the last day I hunted, uh, the outfitter where we were hunting, he was like, hey, do you remember that spot I took you to? And I was like, 
yeah, I think so. He's like, you think you can just get there on your own if you take my truck? And I'm like, yeah, I can get there. You know, so I'd only been once. Yeah. And so, but, you know, from being in the woods and stuff, I, I pay attention to things and, and like, now, if the funny thing is I can do that, but like getting around a city without my map, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Okay. But when I go to the woods and stuff like that, I can remember like, oh, I took a left at this tree and I went around here. So I drive out probably 15, 20 minutes into the forest. I mean, in the middle of nowhere. The wilderness. Down these logging roads, right? Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. I get out. I go and bait the hole, you know, where I'm about to hunt with a bunch of, like, cake batter and all this. This, this yeah. is what bears eat, right? You know, animal guts and all this stuff. Big bu- bucket of, like, chicken guts and stuff. And go back, put everything back in the truck, walk back out there with my boat. No gun. I have nothing, you know. So I, I, I'm asking. I'm like... Okay, so when I go out, like, what if a situation comes up with the, you know, I'm just trying to, what, you know, any tips, anything like that. He's like, well, just don't do anything dumb. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, don't. He's like, you know, just be smart. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. So I'm gonna outsmart the bear. Okay, thanks, thanks for letting me know that. So and I and I tell people this too. I'm like, if my dad would have known that I'm just going out here in the middle of nowhere, he would have probably freaked out. Uh, so, Dad, don't listen to this part of the podcast. But yeah. I go all the way out there and then literally, man, sit for seven hours until 10 o'clock at night because it doesn't get dark until 10 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, there in Canada. So I'm, I'm sitting there from like 3 o'clock until 10 at night with nothing, just me and my thoughts. And so, like, the what what hunting has taught me and this is probably the same thing with you when you guys are sitting out somewhere and you're having to guard something or just in the middle of the desert you know there's just nothing out there I've learned how to think about things in my life and like uh, you know really you know have introspective thinking and and just think about man what am I going to do when I get back and how's things going in my life and I think that's the things that we don't have time to do now in the life that we live this rat race that we actually need to have like to me we need those times where everything's shut off like the only thing i hear is birds i hear something moving i look over it's a fox you know like i'm in the it's just me god and nature there's nothing else but that has taught me like to take time i of course i always end up praying when i'm out there it's like every time i'm out there I just end up talking to God, and it's usually about things that I don't think about talking to Him about here, right? You know, and I'm sure you can probably relate to that. Yeah, with all the noise gone, you know, you can really think about what's important. Yeah, and I did a lot of uh, sitting there praying with my eyes wide open in yeah. the guard stand. Yeah, so I'm sure, and just and just going, you know, God, what's my life doing? You know, like why did I join the army? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you 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 join the army because you're wanting to please absolutely you know uh uh you're wanting to please what is it sam right uh but yeah you know i think those times are, are the times that you can really just shut everything off and have time alone with yourself and have time alone with god and honestly i feel like we don't get enough time to do that no we don't you know? uh, it's, if you sit and think about how few people get that opportunity like you were talking about just to be out in the woods yeah without all this ambient noise around us yeah i mean the city noises your phone you know 
work, all yeah. that stuff. I mean, it's amazing how many people don't get to experience that stuff. It's true. Well, and you, you know, get the same thing fishing if right. you're not having all your kids with you. That's fishing. my happy spot. Yeah. You know, but that's that again. That's the connection that I've always enjoyed with nature. It's not just about going out and and killing something which i always eat whatever i kill i've always felt that way about about that kind of stuff but you know or going out and catching fish or whatever you're doing to me it's more of a i'm connecting with what we were really meant to do in the first place right right like provide for ourselves when it comes to food and stuff and not just go buy a steak that someone made look real nice in a package somewhere like to me i feel better about and, and I was telling people, this is a little bit off the subject, but I was telling people, one of the things that I love about uh, killing animals that I eat is like I give away probably 50% of right. the meat that I have. And it makes me feel good. Like I'm, I'm like, hey, man, try this sausage out. Or, right. you know, I have people try bear meat that have never eaten bear meat before. And they're like, bear meat? I'm like, try this jerky and then get back to me. I'm still waiting on that. Meat. I'll bring some tonight. Okay. I'll bring some tonight. So, uh, but man, it's it's delicious. Yep. And, and you know, people just we're so used to eating these certain things, like getting in this certain. To me, it's a connection back to what we were meant to be. And again, just shutting out all the noise, you know, right. and being able to 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 think about what we're really here for. And you appreciate stuff that you worked for. Yeah. You know, you sat sure. out there for ten hours, seven hours, whatever, and and hunted that meat and cleaned mm-hmm. and processed it yourself. It tastes better. It, it absolutely tastes better. Yeah. Yeah, and there there's an accomplishment feeling to it rather than, you know, I just pulled through the drive-thru, somebody gave me yeah. a scowl, and I got a taco that's probably going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the thing, too. That meat, that you can literally have no better meat for you when it comes to something that's been eating berries and yeah. cake batter. and No uh, steroids and... None of preservatives. No preservatives. Yeah. Well, man, look, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I know you got a lot more stories because we've talked about these things one on one and a lot of things that you could share. But I want to thank you, man, for taking the time to come on the podcast and share some of this stuff. I think it's going to be a benefit. And and let me say this. If you are in the military, you've been in the military before, you feel like uh, you know, you're going through PTSD or you're going through you know, depression or anything like that, reach out to somebody, reach out to us, uh, reach out to Donnie. He's Absolutely. on Facebook. Um, Donnie dial at Facebook. Uh, but reach out to someone, a family member, because it's real and, and going through those things and having to, having to, you know, get back into the real world, so to speak, when you're so used to those high stress situations, we, we weren't meant for that in some ways, right. you know, to, to go from way up here to oh wow now i'm back to you know this totally different life yeah so so reach out to somebody if you're in that thank you everybody for uh tuning in remember we drop a podcast every tuesday at 10 o'clock thanks again to donnie dial if you want to follow us you can follow us on instagram at the rw podcast underscore facebook at the rw podcast check us out on youtube under the royal wood church channel you can check us out on roku tv itunes we're everywhere so if this was beneficial to you share it with somebody make sure you hit that subscribe button below and thank you guys for tuning in have a great week thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of drw we appreciate you guys tuning in every week every tuesday at 10 a.m if you want to see video content 
for this podcast, make sure that you go to Royalwood Church on YouTube. That's right below. Make sure that you click on the bell so you can be notified for new content. Also, you want to follow us on Instagram at drwpodcast underscore, Facebook at drwpodcast, and then brand new, we've got the Roku, our Roku channel where you can check out the podcast and also Apple TV. Make sure that you tune in every week, like and share this with someone that you think it would be a blessing to, and we'll see you soon.